Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right, welcome to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thank you so much for joining us here on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. We're live here at WYSL until 2 p.m., so give us a call if you want to participate in the show at 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. And, of course, we're streaming online as well on the Free Solution Facebook page, Free Solution YouTube channel, Free Solution group. And the Kevin Wilson page, the Kevin Wilson Twitter account, wherever you're listening today. Appreciate y'all being here. Leave your comments online. Again, we're live here until 2 p.m. if you want to participate in the show. Of course, shout out to all of our friends listening on the podcast as well. Appreciate y'all too. I know we get quite a few listeners on there as well, both on uh, on any podcast network. You can just look up a free solution, find us, but also go to WSL1040.com and you can get the podcast there too. All right, anyway, now that all that is out of the way, a couple things we want to talk about today. We'll talk about the uh, we'll talk about one of the uh, races out in out in Michigan. It's a congressional race out in Michigan. I'll, I'll promise I'll connect it to some bigger issues. But I want to talk about that. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Nancy Pelosi going over to Taiwan, and you know, like how do like how, how do people who are anti-war generally don't want to you know be involved in conflict, but also don't particularly like the Chinese government. How, how do you? How, how do we think about her trip to Taiwan? Good, bad, stupid, ridiculous, whatever. You know. I, either way, we'll, we'll kind of go over that and some you know, possible scenarios there. Uh, so we're getting comments online. All right, Shelly on YouTube says good afternoon. Hey, Shelly, thanks for listening today. Um, all right, so so let's talk about this. I want to talk about the congressional race first, right? The the, the one out in Michigan. There's there's a guy that I kind of like that. There, it's actually Justin Amash's old district. Justin Amash, of course, being the only ever uh, elected uh, libertarian that was in Congress. He switched parties. He wasn't elected as libertarian, but he switched over to the libertarian party. Was in Congress for you know a year after he switched, and then he didn't run for reelection. And uh, you know he kind he kind of saw the writing on the wall. Saw saw where things are going. Uh, I think, and uh, you know, decided to step back, and and not just because like he didn't feel like he could win that election, which is almost also certainly true, but also because you know uh, he's worried that the process itself in Congress is fundamentally broken. In fact, I, if we had him on this show. Well, back when it was called Radio Free New York, we had him on this show to talk about that, um, and and some of his thoughts around the Libertarian Party running for president problems with congress itself um lots of reasons and and great stuff again make sure you follow him for kind of an insider look on like why it's tough for like libertarian policy to get through congress uh but this guy replaced him who's pretty good is is a dude named um pete meyer i mean i he's kind of he's kind of libertarian ish you know maybe not as you know libertarian as justin amash but like kind of libertarian ish but you know kind of made Republicans mad because he voted for the, the, the second impeachment vote of, of Donald Trump. Uh, he thought that the way he had acted is, uh, during January 6th and all the events leading up to it uh, was was worthy of impeachment, right? So he voted for impeachment. So it kind of made 
uh, Republicans mad in, in, in that area. You end up, uh, of course, he got a challenge because of that. A dude named John Gibbs ran against him, and he's, he's more of a, a Trump Republican type. And here's where the thing gets weird, right? Now, you'd think Democrats would be like, oh, man, we got to make sure this, this, this Trump guy, this John Gibbs guy does not get elected because you know, Democrats don't like what that kind of nationalist uh, populist conservatism stands for, right? They go on and on about it. Instead, what they do is they, they gamble on this. They, they say, well, we think that that guy, John Gibbs, the Trump Trump type is going to be far more alienating to the types of voters who are going to show up in November. And if the Republicans nominate this guy who's going to alienate voters, that gives a better chance for Democrats to win compared to Pete Meyer, who's a bit more moderate, more libertarian, you know, more anti-government, but in a more appealing way to the people of that district who had, again, elected Justin Mosh for like 10 years they thought, well, if, if he gets through the primary, if he wins the Republican nomination again, Pete Meyer's going to win again. So what do Democrats do? They put a bunch of money towards the Trump candidate. What they started doing is they started running ads uh, that were they, – they, they said John Gibbs is uh, – like too conservative for Western Michigan, right? And they start running these ads and they show pictures of this guy with Trump and try to associate him with Trump. But but they do all these things that on the surface sound like an attack but are really trying to get this guy associated with Trump in the hopes that voters who like Donald Trump will turn out and vote for this dude. Lo and behold, it worked. John Gibbs won. Now, they have free speech. Obsensely, this is an attack ad, right? This is... Hey, we're just trying to warn voters that this guy who's running in a primary election uh, is very conservative. And, and you know, we're, we're, we're warning voters about this. So, ostensibly, they're building their case for a general election campaign in which they uh, are positioning themselves to be the voice of reason. And this again, it, it set aside what you think about Trump or this guy or whatever, right? Like, that, that's their strategy. So, this guy wins. What happens next, right? Now, this is not the first time Democrats have done this. They, they in fact, did it in Pennsylvania earlier this year uh, where they, there was kind of a, a moderate Republican and then there's a Trump Republican in that race. And they ended up doing things to boost the Trump Republicans' uh, stature, which ultimately ended up with that Republican winning and who is now doing better in the polls than the Democratic candidate in the general election. They also did this with Trump himself. A lot of Democrats like Hillary Clinton. Again, it, maybe I think this is a good thing or it's hilarious because Democrats did this or you think it's a bad thing. But it, Democrats ended up supporting Donald Trump because they thought he was so bad. They thought he was going to be so alienating. They were so disconnected from what people wanted in the 2016 election that they in many ways supported this guy both through – you know, ridiculous media coverage. They, they they gave Donald Trump just a ton of media co- outsized media coverage in 2016, and by by finding other ways to covertly support him in the Republican primaries. So so I, what what I'm curious for the folks listening today is, is is how do you feel about this? Is this again just just funny to you? Is it Democrats manipulating Republican primaries or Democrats playing with fire? You know because they're they're trying to intervene in primary processes where they elect 
what they perceive as more fringe candidates. But some of those candidates end up winning, too, and they end up kind of pushing good Republicans in some cases out. Maybe Again, maybe you don't, you don't like Pete Meyer. I, I liked him. Maybe you didn't like his impeachment vote. Most of you probably don't have an opinion on him because he's a dude from West Michigan and we're in, you know, central western New York. But you know, I pay attention to, to libertarian-ish members of Congress, and I'm, I'm sad to see him go. So I, I don't know I, I don't know how I feel. Now, now let me uh, share this comment from uh, Shelley on YouTube. He says, Democrats and Republicans are messing with libertarian elections. It's not the people who consider themselves Democrats or Republicans, but those who are in charge of political parties. Yeah, that's a great point. Again, it's not the rank and file folks. It's not your average Democrats. It's not your average Republicans who are doing stuff. It's it's the consultants. You know, it's the the D triple C. It's 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 that type of stuff, right? Like these consultants who are like, ah, well, yes, if we just do this, then we think we're going to pull better here. And it doesn't matter how they're messing with the process in any way or or putting out ads out in good faith. They have enough money to do this. But but really, you know, what ends up happening is libertarian and independent candidates. They do all this stuff. To end up messing with um, independent candidates' ability to get on the ballot and to participate in the electoral process. Again, either by preventing ballot access itself, uh, by strong arming um, uh, media organizations uh, into excluding uh, third party candidates. Again, it happened to me. You know, I, I was invited to one debate when I was running for Congress and the Republican wouldn't show up. He said, no, I'm not going to show up. And basically the, the implied threat was, I'm not going to show up if, if you invite this guy. And and the, the organization that invited me to debate is like, well, uh, Congressman Raleigh's not going to show up either unless uh, unless uh, the Republican shows up. So you don't get to participate in the debate. Right? And that's that's how it works. They do different things to create the illusion that there aren't more choices on the ballot in the election. And it just makes it harder for the message of alternative candidates to get out right and again that's in addition to when when the actual money comes in where where you have strange uh tactics like uh like like the democrats at one point in time in 2016 too messing with uh, gary johnson and try they they were worried that he was going to take too many votes from hillary clinton so they started making fun of him and putting out all these videos and spending like millions of dollars trying to mess with Gary Johnson of all people and end up having the opposite effect. End up like some of the Republicans who are considering him saw the videos and it might have actually driven some of them over to support Donald Trump. So there's all these cases where Democrat consultants and, 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 and other folks who get so uh, – they they get in such a bubble about what they want to do and what they want to accomplish and how they're going to manipulate people into winning elections that they end up doing these things that shoot themselves in the foot. I don't know. Again, th- this is interesting to me. Again, I, I'm, I'm sad to see that, that congressman lose his primary because I thought he was, he was one of the guys who was actually pointing out the ridiculous spending stuff, the the civil liberties violations, and a few other things. Not, not someone I, I perfectly agree with, but I've, I've listened to him on a number of podcasts and think he's good. Uh, we'll get to one more comment, too, from Shelly before, before we go to break. Uh, Shelly says, uh, elections should be open to everyone at all times. It's, uh, again, we, we've discussed open primaries uh, on this show. I, I have mixed feelings about them because I see how they can end up hurting third parties when you have open primaries, too, because when you have so few people who are voting in a primary, when it's only – you know, a few hundred folks, a uh, few thousand folks in a uh, 
in a district for a third party candidate where the Republicans or Democrats are already set, the parties can then drive their voters to participate in that third party election and get that ballot line for their candidate or drive it to a candidate in, in much the way that the Democrats are trying to do to Republicans in Michigan drive the, uh, a fringe candidate who's going to be less likely to make an impact on their person. So th- there are ways to do that. Again, you could just chalk that up to, well, you better be better well-organized so that doesn't happen, but still don't have to like it. Thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe. Safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovations should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585 200 3182. That's 585 200 3182. Simple Tech Innovations. Hey, this is Kevin Wilson, host of A Free Solution. You ever need a tool for just one project, but didn't want to spend the cash for something you'd use just once or twice? Well, there's a new tool library in Rochester where you can borrow just the thing you need instead of buying a new one. It's called the Tool Shed from the Southeast Area Coalition, and membership starts at just $25 a year. Use it for home projects or to support your business. Learn more and become a member at seektoolshed.org. That's S-E-A-C toolshed.org. Need to take care of a dental issue but don't have dental insurance? There's a special blessing for you on Saturday, August 13th called For the Love of God Dentistry. You can get an extraction, a tooth filled, or get a full dental cleaning for free. Be one of the first 150 guests at Grease Family Dentistry and your choice of a filling, extraction, or cleaning is free. Registration starts at 8 a.m., so be there early and we'll give you a great reason to smile at the For the Love of God Dentistry event. Go to GreaseFamilyDentistry.com for more information. A free solution on the WYSL stations. Hey, welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thanks again for joining us on this wonderful Wednesday afternoon. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or leave your comments online. Uh, We are talking in the last segment about... uh, you know this this race out in uh, out in Michigan, a congressional race, Democrats messing with it. Now I, I don't have too much more to say on this other than again the the open primaries thing, uh, which we got a comment on YouTube about right before we we ended the last segment, and I've talked about this before. I, I I'm kind of skeptical of those. I, I see how things can go wrong. You know, part of me wants to do it because like I live in the city of Rochester. I am uh, enrolled as a libertarian. Uh, but I cannot participate in most of the elections for my local offices because they're all Democrats. And 
even when there are Republicans running, I know that there's a high chance that the Democrats will end up winning. I could vote in the general election, but I don't have much say over the primaries where most of the fight takes place for city council seats or mayoral elections or any of that stuff, right? You got there are the communities that are totally opposite. So I get it. I, I get the open primary process, uh, but I can also see where that can go wrong. And, and you know, to kind of play out the scenario where, where that might have happened in a similar way in um, that Michigan congressional district is they could have ran – uh, you know, those same types of ads pointing out that, you know, this – that uh, the guy who ended up winning, John Gibbs, was uh, too conservative and then kind of quietly encouraged the Democratic voters, hey, we already got our election locked up. Go vote in this for that guy so that we can end up winning this race. Again, there are Democrats who did that with, with Trump. They thought that he would end up – uh, tanking the Republican Party and it would be Democratic majorities for a long time. Like they were so gosh darn sure of themselves that, gosh, if they did, if they just do this thing, if they get this, you know, one guy who's at, who's out of touch, like Donald Trump, and and he's he's so out of touch with the people, then surely they will they they, they will have a Ronald Reagan style victory. You know, forty nine states. Totally crush it. No, that's not what happened. They lost. They're playing with fire and they lost. And now they end up electing people that they claim to dislike even more than the moderate Republicans. Yeah, that's, that's not my comment. I mean, I, I, I've kind of made my position known on, on populism and whatnot, but that, that is the Democratic strategy backfiring. And those same brilliant minds want to control your lives too. So uh, keep that in mind. That is, that's not, not – a, a recommendation to vote for or against them. Just just keep in mind when you have those types of strategists who are now running our country and how well that might go. Speaking of which, I did want to talk about the, uh, the Nancy Pelosi going over to uh, Taiwan. And I'm a, little, I'm a little bit split on this, right? On the one hand, right, I do not like the Chinese government. I, they, are, they are bad. I think that we we should acknowledge like how bad they are. There's there's the treatment of more recently the Uyghurs, but also the Tibetans way back when too. There's literally a genocide and cultural erasure going on of their minority populations. As they try to force them to be into their narrow definition of what uh, you know Chinese means to them, and their monitoring of social media. The the way in which uh, individual rights are not respected over there, the way in which they, they manipulate and trap countries uh, using promises of infrastructure development and use that as uh, a means to be able to control developing nations moving forward and to spread their sphere of influence across the globe. It is not a good thing. It is, is absolutely not a good thing. And then in relation to Taiwan specifically, it's it's interesting because – if you're not like the, just a super quick overview of that history is when the whole communist revolution thing happened, the uh, the Republican forces, they they fled to Taiwan. And again, they were kind of an authoritarian government for a while, um, just not communist. But now they're a little bit more democratically inclined officially. Right. It's uh, it's a still part of the uh, uh 
still part of uh, uh, the the People's Republic of China, right? Like th- officially, that's that's what their government claims. But on a practical level, they they kind of operate as an independent nation and see themselves as an independent nation, right? So they they see themselves as you know the Republic of China. They are the legitimate legacy government that existed prior to Mao's revolution, um, and kind of comport themselves as such, right? But in in so doing, because there is, you know, again, this this island that is, for all intents and purposes, acting as an independent country, they they trade differently than China, they have their own quasi-official diplomatic relations distinct from China, they uh, have their own agreements distinct from China, manufacturing rules, regulations distinct from China, China is not able to actively impose its particular rules in order or hasn't attempted to uh, impose its particular rules and order using force over that island. It's essentially its own country, right? But again, officially, the Chinese government official line is that is still part of China and, and you know, they are eventually going to do something about it. So all that's all that background in mind, right? You have uh, this diplomatic visit, visit from Nancy Pelosi that the Chinese government is very mad about, right? Because again, officially, they're that's that's our you know our highest uh, legislative um, you know member of Congress going to a diplomatic visit to meet with a government that is in rebellion with a country that we do have diplomatic relations with, right? So that's like, again, the complicated international relations <laughs> take on this, right? And so in response to like, well, we're going we're gonna to shoot down our plane, right? Like it's kind of originally like what they're threatening. Like we're, you, can't, you can't come in this airspace. This is officially their airspace. But again, for all practical matters, Taiwan has their own air force. They have their own stuff provided by the U.S. Now the U.S. military has, you know, made moves in the area to try to prevent conflict right that's uh that's how it is so and and i I think officially the biden administration wasn't happy about it either they're like ah this this doesn't benefit us in any way so now we get to to like okay what was this a good idea right like because part of me is like thumbing my nose at at the government of china i'm uh i'm kind of happy to do that i i wish more Members of government would do that. I wish more people in the media would do that. And I've, you know, complained about you know sports stars who kind of kissed a ring and pretend nothing happened in Hong Kong and nothing happened and you know uh, at all in China with the Uyghurs. And you, you can't talk about like NBA stars in particular. There's there's some folks who are just bad about that. But people in Hollywood too. The way that Hollywood changes the content of movies in order to appease audiences in China just kind of grosses me out. You know, it's 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 a level of cultural hegemony that man, I don't like I they they are their their government, again not the people, but their government is authoritarian and controlling and nasty and is committing horrific crimes against its own people and very little criticism from a lot of mainstream media. Again, because there's there's financial interest tied up in that. And that's not conspiratorial. It's just just a fact. It plays like you know, Disney and ESPN. It's it's 
they have a lot of money tied up in it. They don't want to alienate their audiences or get banned from being able to have their content overseas. Now, again, all, all, that, all that in mind, a conflict with China is a bad idea, right? And the argument goes that by Nancy Pelosi going over there, it creates an escalation in conflict. And I think that's that's irrefutable, right? Like this this is an escalation. Um, it's it's uh, in response to this uh, after Nancy Pelosi left. She's already gone. She's doing a whole tour around Asia. There's an escalation, and we'll talk about that and 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 what this may have actually caused and whether it's a good idea a little bit more after this. Thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. I'm going to get to some of those comments afterwards, too. Uh, give us a call if you want to call in, though. Uh, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back on A Free Solution in just a few minutes. solution on the WYSL stations. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson here today. Thanks again for joining us. We're live here at WYSL until 2 p.m. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or leave your comments online. Of course, we'll. Uh, I'm, let, let me get to a couple of those. Uh, is it Patty on Facebook says, will the USA ever not be at war in a military action or leading tactical maneuvers ever? Almost 250 years at war uh, with some place. It goes on to say, only 15 years have the entirety of 244 years the United States has been in existence have been peaceful. Only 15 years without conflict. Yeah, I mean, it's the United States is always, always getting involved somewhere. Again, the... Not just the major wars, but like the small stuff in between, and that's that's kind of been the the history of if, of our country. Unfortunately, is it's there's always a reason to get in conflict, and I'm inclined, both from a a moral and financial perspective, to say like war is not just uh, in in most circumstances, and there are a lot of conflicts in which the United States could have and should have stayed out of, and this is one where. We might have an opportunity to avoid conflict. The The question, I guess, becomes how and when should the United States stand for relatively free places uh, when that comes into conflict with the idea of avoiding uh, avoiding a conflict with another pure military power like China, like Russia, uh, etc. Right, and, and maybe you know, may, maybe they're not considered pure again. I'm not, I'm not quite using the the military terminology right, but but somewhere in which like there would be a a far more serious cost in terms of lives, equipment, money than some of the other stuff that the United States has got involved with, right? So that's um that that's kind of that's kind of again what where where do we stand up for our values though? Um, and if those values mean – staying up for those values means making 
the government of China mad, part of me is like, well, good, they, they stink anyway. Why, why should we care what they think other than the fact that they're threatening us and the people of Taiwan with violence? Um, Shelly on YouTube says, uh, you know, for all his uh, mispronounced words, uh, China, uh, Trump did open more trade between countries. I'm like, yeah, it, well, sort of. Again, I, I'm generally pro-free trade, and but I don't think he really did that. I think he, he kind of made a big show of uh, not doing that, of um, of kind of sabotaging those relationships, increasing tariffs. Uh, you know, part of it's to, you know, again, punish the, the government of China and the companies backed by that government from stealing intellectual property, which is a legitimate problem. And again, it comes into that, like, well, what do you want to do? How much, what's the trade-off of, like, money lost uh, because you've imposed these tariffs or restricted trade between China versus money lost because intellectual property is stolen, plus the moral conundrum of are you funding companies that are doing things like using uh, slave, you know, labor in China. Like again, are, are, is that is that a good thing? Is that allowable? Uh, well, morally, no. Obviously, begin. What's what's the the trade off there? Is the policy consideration in, in a very cold sense? Um, and yeah, uh, so so again, getting back to a, kind of the, the core issue, though, right? Is again, does so so when those when those values come into conflict, when those values of like, do we do we stand up for a country? Uh, or, you know, a territory that is trying to um, assert its independence and have something that is closer to the values that the, the United States at least outwardly shares, right? Again, the the uh, constitutional republic type of uh, style of government, uh, respect for individual rights, free trade, et cetera, right? Like if you have a country that's closer to that um, – and standing up for those values uh, ends up running afoul of your other goal of staying out of conflict. What do you do? Again, we can't totally blame. We can't totally pull the blame away from the government of China for this because they're, they're escalating again. They because Nancy Pelosi has simply gone on a uh, diplomatic visit. I know that's that's important. I'm saying simply, kind of casually, but she's gone on a diplomatic visit to this country. They've, you know, now gone into to what Taiwan considers its airspace. And they've been kind of doing this for a while, right? They've been kind of running running all these uh, drills in which they just a little bit go into the airspace and kind of get the you know, the the military of Taiwan going, ah, do we is this real? Do we do we confront this or do we back down? And it's again they, them pushing the edge, them seeing how far they can get. And then one of these times though, it's it's gonna be do they go further and actually initiate attack? Do they initiate a ground invasion? The 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 government of China has, has uh, put a bunch of tanks near the coast, which you know, in theory, would allow them to make uh, a landing in Taiwan. Again, does does Nancy Pelosi's actions make that conflict more likely? Does her her, her does her presence there uh, do us any good? And that that's kind of the argument I've seen on the anti-war side is this doesn't her actual visit doesn't do enough to solidify the United States values in terms of standing up for what Taiwan would, the, 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 the territory, the country of Taiwan would like to say it, uh, it stands up for to, to justify the risk and escalation and the risk that us military personnel and equipment are going to have to get in between or 
they may not even have to, may end up just being between the government of China and the military forces of Taiwan. Again, is that a good trade-off? Is that worthwhile? Again, and I say this again as, as, as a libertarian who both wants to stay out of war but also does not like to see the creeping influence of the government of China uh, in, in the Pacific or anywhere. Again, both culturally and uh, militarily, they've, they've had a lot of expansion of their hegemony, both real control and cultural influence in a way that is bad. Again, we, and we see that in political culture in the United States, too. You see so many folks, usually the progressive left, but they're, you know, you'll get some folks on the right weirdly doing this, too, who will just be like, well, you know, look at, look at what they can do. They just, when they see something, they take it. When they want to build something, they just do it. They don't let all the politics get in the way. And there's this temptation that, again, read, uh, read Road to Serfdom. Read that. There's this temptation that, you know, when, when the, the process of democracy gets slow because you've asked your government to do too much, there's a temptation to go the authoritarian route, to go, hey, if we just had a strong man, right? if we just had, if we just had you know, one guy making this, he will get things done. No, they don't. It's not how it ends up working. It, it ends up being where stuff is still a mess. You just lose your rights in the process. But, but, the, but the dream, the hope is, well, if we, cut, we get someone to cut through all the red tape, we, we, you know, just say, forget about all the, you know, the, the, the little governments, the, the, the squabbling political parties, the, the bureaucracies, all that stuff. And we just, we just do stuff. Then we'll be a great country. That's, that's the temptation of the strongman. And that's, again, what I see on both the, the left and the right. Um, and yeah. Uh, and, and let, let me, let me read a couple more, um, comments too and actually you know before i read this comment too like i said so i'm not let, let me let me flip this around a bit right now imagine if the positions were switched right there's there's a position in which the united states government felt that the government of china was encroaching on territory setting up diplo- diplomatic relations with something that is a territory of the U.S. When, like, imagine like, like Guam or something had kind of declared independence. They said, hey, listen, we don't want to be part of the U.S. anymore. You know, we're saying this. We're not part of the U.S. The U.S. didn't have any military over there. They, none of the, the people enforcing the law in Guam were taking orders from D.C. or the U.S. military or anyone else. They just said, nope, we're doing our own thing. And it was a, it was a fait accompli, right? It was, it was a done deal. And... All that being said, they had their own relationships with other countries, their own trade deals, their own tax rates, their own stuff. They weren't sending money over to the mainland. If, if that, all that were happening, and then the government of China went over and they said, you know, okay, well, we're going to also establish a relationship with you, do an official visit. Would it be just for the United States to intervene militarily because of that situation? Again, I think the answer is no. I think what... When, what anti-war people sometimes get caught up on is they they can only look at these situations through the lens of what the United States should or shouldn't do and can't bring themselves around to condemn other governments acting in an ugly way. And it's important to keep that perspective in mind too. Again, I know I'm getting I'm getting a whole bunch of other comments here too about uh you know about members of Congress who are getting donations from uh 
from weapons companies. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll talk about some of that too. Again, that that's that's definitely an important part to do to to acknowledge here is um, the military industrial complex, and we'll we'll get to that. But for now, I'll, I'll just kind of as I as we head in the break, I'll kind of leave you with that question again. Would it be just for the United States to do what China is doing now, and vice versa? Can you can you can you switch the positions? Can we think through this? Thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. Appreciate y'all listening today. Give us a call at 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000 if you want to participate in today's show. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website there hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals but don't take my word for it they've won the best in rochester eight years in a row and have an a-plus better business bureau rating if your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals give the professionals at simple tech innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182 that's 585-200-3182 simple tech innovations Hey, this is Kevin Wilson, host of A Free Solution. You ever need a tool for just one project, but didn't want to spend the cash for something you'd use just once or twice? Well, there's a new tool library in Rochester where you can borrow just the thing you need instead of buying a new one. It's called the Tool Shed from the Southeast Area Coalition, and membership starts at just $25 a year. Use it for home projects or to support your business. Learn more and become a member at seektoolshed.org. That's S-E-A-C toolshed.org. Need to take care of a dental issue but don't have dental insurance? There's a special blessing for you on Saturday, August 13th called For the Love of God Dentistry. You can get an extraction, a tooth filled, or get a full dental cleaning for free. Be one of the first 150 guests at Grease Family Dentistry and your choice of a filling, extraction, or cleaning is free. Registration starts at 8 a.m., so be there early and we'll give you a great reason to smile at the For the Love of God Dentistry event. Go to GreaseFamilyDentistry.com for more information. A free solution on the WYSL stations. All right, welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for folks who are commenting. And uh, we have a caller online too, but I'm going to get to him in just a second. I want to read these comments and I'm going to get to our, our caller. Uh, John on Facebook says war is very profitable. Uh, and and I'll, I'll caveat this before I read the rest of his comments. I, I don't know if these numbers are exactly uh, accurate. I know some stuff like this is generally true, but let me let me just read his comment with I haven't checked this as, as the asterisk on it. Um, Republican rep uh, Diana Harshberger of Tennessee and her husband made three separate Raytheon trades worth up to $15,000. And Democratic rep uh, Lois Frankel of Florida sold to $15,000 in Lockheed Martin stock but retained shares in the company. Raytheon makes Stinger missiles and jointly with Lockheed Martin makes the Javelin anti-tank missiles. Yeah, kind of related to stuff over in um, a, a lot of those weapons are going over to Ukraine and also probably to Taiwan too. It can be profitable and and. 
it is important to kind of watch whether or not both the stock of members of Congress and uh, their political donations could be having an impact on policy, and, and chances are, unfortunately, it is. And another quick comment from Shelley on YouTube says, Taiwan is China as Prussia was to Russia. They were separate people who another country deemed their own. And actually, Shelley, I think like the more apt comparison might be Ukraine to Russia, which Putin claimed like, oh, well, they're basically Russian people, but the Ukrainians feel otherwise, right? And that a lot of folks were worried that if the United States didn't take a strong stand on what Russia did in Ukraine, China would feel like they could attack Taiwan and face no consequences from anyone else, including the United States. But, okay, let's get to the caller, though. Uh, Keith is on the line. Keith, welcome back to A Free Solution. Uh, the only important uh, entity for any country is to look out for its own, what I'm calling, physical best vested interests. That being the case, uh, the worst entity on the planet is the Chinese Communist Party, they hate our guts. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party is only 5% of the Chinese population, which means that group, uh, the commies, made up of sociopaths and outright psychopaths. They control 95% of their population. They hate us. Uh, I'm sorry to have to inform my fellow Americans. We're just going to have to take China on and bloody them. So uh, anything that people are saying, like, the comments you were just reading about people in power making money off of uh, stock deals and all that, all of that is just uh, ancillary thinking. Uh, everyone should stay on focus. China means to ground us into dust. And whether Americans like it or not, we're going to have to go to war with China. We should have, uh, all of the free nations of the world should have uh, gathered troops from around the world, all the continents and gone into Ukraine and bloodied Putin's nose. Uh, when it comes to China, China is more of a threat than Russia. Uh, they have a larger navy now. Many Americans don't know that the Chinese navy, which only used to be a blue water navy, is now a true deep ocean navy. They have more ships yeah. than we do. So in closing, every American has to ask, when are we going to blunt the Chinese offensive against our great country. We're going to let them get so strong that we just uh, will have to go nuclear from the get-go because we can't beat them with conventional means. So we're in it for the long haul. We're going to have to fight them. Americans will die. Hopefully, as in any war, we will kill more of them than they will kill of us. But we're going to have to go to battle against China. It's too late to do otherwise. Well, we should have defeated them in the Korean War. We could have, but Truman did not. General MacArthur should have been given full sway. We could have defeated the commies in the early 50s. Didn't, didn't MacArthur now want gonna, to nuke now we're China? Have to fight China flat out and kill them. All right, man. All right, well, Keith, I, I don't know. I'd go as far as you, right? Like, so let me. I mean, MacArthur, hey, he he wanted to nuke China. Like, he he wanted to. Hurt a lot of people, and you know, I'm, not, I'm not down for that. I, I don't getting involved in a war is is ugly, ugly business. It turns people ugly. It turns people authoritarian. It is sometimes necessary. Again, I'll I'll I'll, con I'll concede this to you. You know, again, it is tough, particularly for for anti-war folks, to draw that line. When does the imperialistic ambitions of another country become such a, a existential threat? to your individual freedom 
that it is worth the sacrifice of that freedom, that wealth, and those lives to then go and try to stop that existential threat. And that's why, like, you know, when I, when I look at, like, World War II, like, you, there's you, – you kind of get why that needed to happen, right? Why it made sense for the United States to get involved in that particular conflict. There are other conflicts, though, where it doesn't make sense that you have – propagandists in war profiteers and politicians who want to play the hero who get the United States involved in a conflict that it has no business being involved in. There's nothing for us to gain. There's nothing for us to, you know, triumph in the end of this. All it all that happens is lost lives, lost money, and turning otherwise good, decent people into savages. Again, this is I don't say this to disparage the military. It's just that you, 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 looking at history, people could get into the mindset of having anything justify victory over an enemy that you have dehumanized. Again, sometimes an enemy that has dehumanized you back. It feels existential. It is existential. But avoiding that conflict and trying to find means around that is the better solution until you have no other choice. And at this point, I think we do still have another choice. There are ways in which we can claw back the cultural influence of the United States, the cultural influence of you know, individual freedom, individual liberty, and find ways to break through the hegemonic control that China is trying to assert over many countries in their sphere of influence, but really around the world. But at have, some point in time... We don't have that. Keith, you still on? We don't have that time. We ran out of time a long time ago. Uh, the, the final answer is there are good guys and there are bad guys. The United States, which many Amer- too many Americans today don't want to admit, we are the good guys. The Chinese commies flat are the bad guys. That means we win insofar as we uh, understand fully as Americans. We have our faults. We have our shortcomings. We all know this as adults, but we're still the good guys. And that's the problem. During World War II, we were a united country. We knew we were the good guys and the Axis powers were the bad guys. Too many Americans today, they want to uh, hem and haw at, at, at every little fact, and they get lost in the big picture. The big picture is China wants to take us down fully and control the world. We as the good guys can't allow that. That means we destroy the bad guys before the bad guys destroy us, the good guys. That's the answer. Okay. Again, I don't think it's that zero sum. I think a weakened United States hurts China because they make a lot of money off of us. They do. Like Again, it's, it's, it's what it is. They, they make a ton of money off of buying stuff in the United States. They can't be... Uh, um, uh, they they can't be totally isolated. They can't be totally independent. They can't just extract the resources of the countries around them and still maintain the level of wealth and influence that they hope to obtain on a world level. They it, it's not quite it, it it's symbiotic in a way that's not healthy for fully for both the United States and China to to, to have right now. Um, but again, I I don't I don't think the conflict that open warfare is worth it. It is too high of a cost, particularly between two nuclear powers. But we do need to stand up somewhere. Again, I'm, I'm, not, totally, I'm not totally dismissing your point, Keith. I, I think we might just differ on 
whether or not we've reached the point of no return. And again, as you, as you said, Keith, too, like that, uh, only a small percentage of the country is political. Most of the country, 95 percent, they're they're just trying to get along. They're just living their day to day lives. And there would come a point in which they would realize, too, that conflict is bad for them as well. It's, it's going to be bad, ugly warfare that that destroys their homes, their families, their their, you know, their communities. And they don't want that either. All right. But, Keith, I do appreciate the call. We, we are uh, running out of time uh, for the show, but I, I do appreciate that. And I know I got other comments online, too. John, who's, who's pointing out uh, more Lockheed Martin shares and whatnot, too. And uh, you know, from from Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Republican in Georgia and, and others. Um, Matthew on Facebook says, isn't China already imploding? Look at their COVID responses, results, their real estate collapse, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. What they're doing in terms of overbuilding their Navy, overbuilding their cities, uh, and, and all sorts of other stuff, it's not sustainable. They may end up imploding anyway. All right. But we ran out of time to talk about it. Thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. Again, we do an online-only show Thursday evenings if you want to listen in. But otherwise, I will be back on Monday. Have a great week, folks. <laughs>